Welcome to Don't Say NFT, the show where we don't say NFT. I'm Donnie Clutterbuck, and I'll be your host. Welcome to Don't Say NFT, the show where we sometimes don't say NFT until a few minutes into the show. This is episode number 10 regarding on and off-chain storage, a debate as such. Uh, my name is Donnie Clutterbuck. I'd like to thank Crypto Sapiens, the usual co-host of this, who is not able to be here because I logged myself out on my other device by accident and I lost the password. Thanks for the production. Uh, thanks to Bankless Dow for the ongoing support as well. Let's get into it. We have a lot of things we can talk about. We talked about provenance, provenance last time. I know it looks like that. In French, they say provenance, and here we say provenance. A lot of the debate about what concerns provenance or why provenance is important or why the structure underlying something that would be tracking provenance is important um, has to do with being on-chain and being on-chain on a specific chain. Because being on-chain, just any chain, is not quite enough. It, it, the chain itself very much matters. So we're here to talk about um, the weight of carrying around on-chain data or why that is or is not a problem, the cost of getting something on-chain or maintaining a chain that has everything on-chain, and the perspective historically we might gain in the future by allowing anyone who uh, can afford it to put their entire lives on chain. Where I think that this is maybe the most important aspect of this, if we're really dialing this out to like the 50,000 foot, you know, I'm above an airplane perspective of humanity, what's gonna matter in 100 to 1,000 to 10,000 years? What are, we, what are we going to look back as, as our future versions of ourselves, as future species emerge or whatever? And what are we gonna see when we look? And how is that going to be colored by whatever the situation that we're in is right now? And I'll preface it with saying that maybe if cameras existed 200,000 years ago and they were made of metal and photographs were printed on paper, neither of those things, unless intentionally preserved, would have made it till now. So we'll never know if they did exist at all. We'll never be able to see the pieces of history that were like crowdsourced out to everybody who was a part of those societies back then because they've biodegraded. So we're looking for potentially a method of storage that doesn't do that. And there are a million applications for something that wouldn't. But are there now new constrictions that arise from that that still very much color the story that we get to tell historically to the next people that we'll never meet and who won't meet us? We'll only have our remnants as context. Does anybody have initial thoughts about this? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in with you brought up, like, does the chain matter? And I think if you're looking for, for provenance and... Um, something that's going to last. I think it's 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 glaringly obvious that the chain does matter, right? Like if you're talking about like some um, weird L1 that kind of came out, or some kind of you know L2 that probably doesn't have that much liquidity, will it still exist? Um, you know, moving in in the future, and and that's that's you know pretty important. Um, but my, my first thought coming into this space, and I think it kind of relates to this, is that I, I don't think you have to be in this like either or kind of camp. Um, you know, I, I came from Ethereum and I was a, a big on-chain type of person. Like all the stuff that I bought, you know, was on-chain, you know, my little nouns that um, I'm part of their ecosystem, you know, what it, anything I really looked at or considered, you know, actually keeping that I resonated with personally. So uh, I'm a big proponent of being on-chain. But that being said, um, I think if if you have certain intentions that are not necessarily about um, provenance, I, I think it's in some cases, it, it, it's having it not on chain um, works well. I mean, if you look at Jack Butcher um, in checks, and I was a big fan, got in early, 
um, he has this like duality to it, right? So like it's both performance art. Um, so the metadata change is important because um, I don't know if he still does it. I haven't really followed it recently, but um, that's part of what kind of brought a lot of attention. He would change the metadata. What does this mean? Um, and he would kind of you know use that to kind of reflect what was going on at the time. So the fact that it was flexible, um, you know, he could have it um, still current and relevant. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool, but at the same time, there was a burn mechanic, and that's kind of what set off the whole open, you know, edition meta and burn and Ponzi stuff. But his stuff wasn't so much Ponzi. It was okay. Well, now whenever you want, you can burn it and receive what I really wanted um, as an intentional thing. Now, um, if Ordinals was a thing or or more well known um, during that time, I think it came out around the same time, but probably just wasn't didn't have enough traction or or you know, there, maybe he would have had like a teleburn instead of just burning to, you know, ETH on chain. Um, but that's one great example of where not being on chain um, is kind of important in, in terms of an artist. So th- that was one of my first thoughts. It's not that one is necessarily superior. If you have a specific context where you're saying, I want to preserve this, I want to have 100% ownership of this, I want it so nobody could kind of um, you know, mess with it, whether it's from the art standpoint, from the buying and selling standpoint. Um, yeah, ordinals, inscriptions makes a ton of sense. But um, if you're just talking about is Providence and having this kind of um, chain that'll probably last the longest, um, all encompassing, I, I just, I kind of want to veer away from that, that either or approach where what is better than the other necessarily. I totally agree. I don't think that there's anything that is always better for everything. Everything is always better for something. Anything that we investigate will be best at some thing, or at least better at something than another thing, I guess. So I'm most certainly not here to say that everything should be on-chain, because I don't even like to use the word should. I don't think anything should be anything. I think some things ought to be what they are best suited for. And in the case of Having the tokens where with like the the whereabouts of a token are always on chain. The contents of that token are not always on chain. And you're right. There is this is like a new feature that an artist can sell art that they can then modify after it's been sold. And talking about the ins and out of the, of that is something I'd like to come back to. Prism, what's up? Yeah, I think I I, I agree with everything that English said. Um, I think when it comes to finality, when it comes to putting out a piece uh, or, or artwork or a collection where the intention is to leave it as is. I, I do think, um, you know, obviously Ordinals is a, is a better spot for that. But I, I, I like, I actually like the ability to change metadata when it's intentional and when the expectations are there. Um, you know, our, our first uh, collection, we actually put on L2. And part of that was that because we could change the metadata, we could change this, you know, we basically took our first inscription and we turned it into additions. Um, and then we would change the metadata every week or so to a different version of that inscription. So Boozy would work up a new version and we flip the metadata and it was, you know, it was kind of a cool thing to do. Um, but when the intention or when the expectations are not there, um, like we saw with Goblin Town, then it's a whole different story. Um, so uh, I think when it, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, I, I I'm Bitcoin first. I'm Ordinals first. I've always been Bitcoin first, even though I've played around in other chains. Um, but you know, I, I do think there's um, there's definitely a place for you know using the metadata in the art itself, as we've seen with Jack Butcher and 
uh, as is possible on on other chains. Um, but I, I tend to lean towards you know the finality of that image uh, being on chain. And and I would say Jack Butcher's already been here, and if he's and he's probably planning uh, something of a teleburn. He's got some very early inscriptions. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. How early on did he start throwing things on chain? I didn't realize that he had anything up there. I, I guess I haven't really perused the first 10,000 um, as well as I thought I had. I cannot remember the range that it's in, but it's definitely sub, I want to say sub 50K. Sick. I look forward to seeing what all these sleepers have, have planted, like what sorts of seeds have been planted for future art projects that we all uh, more or less missed. Like even the, the SATs, brc mint i didn't realize that started in early march it's 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 funny to see it's just like we were talking earlier about the energy consumption of bitcoin and about how like it's a big deal when people focus on it and then it's not when they stop focusing on it but it hasn't stopped being the deal that it was we we are so heavily engaged in the things that we look at and that are we currently see as an issue that it's so easy to miss so much of what's going on and uh, this is, well, God, it's always one of those moments, I suppose, on this chain. One of the main things I was thinking about when I wrote this article, I don't know if anybody read the article. I know Barbara did, but Barbara's always good at that. Um, it's not homework. It's a way for me to get my thoughts out. And the thing that I kept coming back to was not just that, like, PFPs need to be on chain forever or that art needs to be on chain forever, because it's up to, I think at some point, it's up to the creator, right? Like, if the creator thinks it belongs on chain and they can do that, then... It does. And if they think it doesn't belong on chain and they want to be able to modify it later or they just want to get a quick release out, like, I don't know, if you sell raffle tickets at a charity dinner, do those need to be on chain forever? No, because they don't really mean anything after that night, probably. Um, if you think that you're creating something that will age well over time, then it, you ought to put them on chain if that's the case. The two problems I see with this is, one, you don't know what's important until it's too late. So you may have missed putting something on chain that belonged there without realizing that you were doing that. And the second part is the cost associated with it immediately creates an equity barrier between those who will be represented in the future and those who won't. And maybe that's mandatory because space is limited. So how would we mitigate who gets the space other than uh, financially? Turk, what's up, man? Yeah, so like, you know, before things that could uh, be on on chain like let's i don't know let's go back to the 70s just to like clear up <laughs> any digital uh, information in, in commerce and stuff like that um and you know i buy a lot of physical you know um i buy records um i could go to spotify and listen to a lot of these things but i like to buy like original prints and <clears throat> i like the physicality of it but you know people bought records you know back back when they were coming out too and and they, you did the, the concept of things on chain didn't exist. So what 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 mattered? I guess the you know what what is it the experience of having them and it's for a time and then they either sold or or handed them down or you know passed them on and uh, and then what what will happen to my records? I don't intend to sell them. Um, I don't tend. To, I mean, I could digitize them too because um, I have that playability with my turntables and stuff like that. But I. I, it's just very interesting as to what should or ought to be on. I, I guess it just matters to the uh, the holder um, uh, of it, and also the concept that we're on chain now versus uh, off chain and stuff like that. So it, it just 
depends. Like the concept of being on chains, like, oh, now it can be on forever. So now I'm FOMOing into the concept of it having not only provenance, but the, sub, the subsistence to, um, you know, or the sustenance to, to, to last forever. I don't know. Does that make any sense, guys? I'm on a little sleep. I was uh, trying to code a game last night and inscribe it, and I'm very, very tired. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying here. Yeah. Code a game into an inscription on chain? Yes. Yeah, I did it already. I just I'm waiting for it. Um, but 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 Sick. don't I, I don't want to overshadow my point. I just was t- I was just explaining that I was tired, but I, I I wanted to get my point out. Uh, see if anybody could latch on to it or uh, expound on it. Well, I guess the question I would ask as a follow up is, um, do we think that the <laughs> would you like to summarize that into one sentence or so, so I don't breeze over it because I want to make sure I understand it. Yeah, well, like before the concept of on chain, your physical things that you have you know, like your clothes and stuff like that, you know, it, it, they, they were meant to, to be enjoyed and to wear and, and for comfort or whatever the case, you know, but like, you know, the, the concept of uh, on chain wasn't around before. So what, what, what is that experience versus the experience of having that possibility now, you know, and how important is that, you know, is it because it was introduced or, or, or was it, or was it just about experience? Cause nothing, you know, phys- like we're not going to last here forever. So, and we won't even care when we're dead. Um, you know, I, that wasn't can't care if that, you're not dead. Yeah. Or, rather, no. Can't care if you are dead because you're dead and you can't do anything. Maybe. I mean, that's what we think anyway. Maybe exactly. this is equivalent to buying the $400 pair of Japanese salvage jeans versus buying the $40 pair of whatever jeans at whatever store you went, you know, like BJ's or something like that. Um, one of them is sort of for the people who can't afford the other ones and meant to be more potentially disposable, you care less about them. You didn't buy them because you need them to last forever. You bought them because you just need jeans to wear, you know? Um, Maybe this is just an equivalent to that on a much larger timescale. And the thing I kept on thinking about was like, where does this, so there's inherently inequity in the styles of jeans that people wear. Um, Some people have more money than other people. I was I was talking with who was I talking with this who who would I wake up and talk about capitalism with I think it was with one of the liquor reps who was talking about how she wanted to bring me all these obscure products to show me uh, so that we could buy them for the the restaurant group and then asked if I she should bring some things that are just like in magazines that everybody knows about and I was like yeah I guess I should become more familiar with the things that everyone automatically orders because I've kind of admittedly I've mailed it in because I don't care and then we were talking after that about how like capitalism is important and it's cool that we don't have to haul around sacks of like corn and grain. And if you think about it, capitalism is just the barter system with an inherent translator and a battery pack on it. And the battery pack part is kind of what makes it unfair in a way because you can build and carry wealth and then pass it on to other people, which inherently creates a lack of equity. So if two people are given the same opportunity at the same time, their lack, that's equality. But if they are on different starting platforms, as in one is higher than the other, that is poor equity. Um, and I think that the ability to carry things on chain lacks equity in the same way that the ability to buy nice jeans lacks equity. And that means anybody can walk into a store and walk up to the counter with a $400 pair of jeans, but a lot of people can't afford to buy them. And that's that's where this like the on-chain, off-chain debate starts to get. It's not that we're having that problem now, because we're all just messing around here. Traffic is relatively low. The value of Bitcoin will, if, when we look back on it 10 years from now, have been hilariously low. 
And uh, currently, we maybe don't face these problems because even inscribing a fairly big image is only a hundred bucks. It's not like it's not free, but it's not super prohibitive for everybody in this space to be doing that. Um, what sorts of inequity or equity does anyone think this will cause in the future? Ten thousand years from now, when the aliens fire this thing back up, and they're digging through our culture the way that we dig up pottery and see other people's cultures before us. So when we dig up pottery from five, 10, 15,000 years ago, we don't have any context with it. So only the pieces of pottery that were either stored properly, uh, intentionally or not intentionally, are the ones that we'll find. And everything else that was disposable around them is not any longer there to provide context. So the story that we read that they did not intentionally write is now all we have. So we view them as these people who drank wine out of like these clay cups, when in reality, there were like many different kinds of clay cups and many different things were drank out of them, right? So what do you think that people are going to misread about us given the kind of inherent, like the difference in the way that we're able to portray ourselves through history based on economic inequality and what it is we're putting on chain? Yeah, this is a really interesting point. And I think I'll maybe come at it from a different angle. I think with things going on chain now, I think we'll probably look back and think of this sort of new world we're going into with more things being on chain as having a lot more context and everything before that as being, you know, without context, because most things aren't being, like you said, properly stored or properly maintained. This kind of reminds me of there's this startup called Amber Data. They're more in the financial services blockchain space, but they made their name because, you know, just sort of like Amber, um, you know, preserves fossils, uh, blockchains preserve the data stored on them. So I can imagine a world where there's going to be a, huge, a really large delineation between everything that existed off chain and then in a new world where more and more things, even real world assets are starting to be stored um, in some sort of tokenized component. Um, I, I can just imagine people looking back at the history records and having a much better and easier time understanding our world uh, moving forward by analyzing like early ordinals, early Ethereum NFTs, and perhaps, you know, they're just being a much greater lack of context with uh, the off-chain world. It's, it's okay. So like the history is written by the victors. That's what we see typically because they have the ability to preserve and promote that which fits the narrative that they're going for, right? So as we see the next bull run and the one after that and all the institutional investment come into not just Bitcoin, but ordinals specifically, will new kinds of data flood the market and prop up the price such that people like us can no longer do this and history will no longer be crowdsourced? Will this just be another version of everyone else who had more money writing the things that happened? Um, and is there something we can do to curtail that? Let me ask you this, Donnie. So does, the, does that take under the assumption that um, only the stuff that's on Bitcoin is going to be preserved? Like, is there another world where like Amazon servers and other servers not only don't fail, but get more robust and continue and the world just becomes digital and whether it's decentralized or not, um, data is data and retrievable. Totally. I, I mean, I think there are an unlimited number of ways to leave a record somewhere uh, things that are biodegradable are typically not that best way to do that. But like bones, fossils, things like that, those are immutably, you know, until the sun explodes, those are just there, right? Or until they're like 
uh, eroded by a new water source or something like that. Amazon servers run by a company. If the company's healthy in 150 years, those servers will still be there. If somehow we find a way to compress them and add them to a stronger chain, such as Bitcoin or whatever comes up later that happens to be stronger. I mean everything, of course, but this is one that we're watching be birthed right now. Uh, I really f found your question very fascinating, Donnie. So we need better storage devices and what is going to happen in 100,000 years or in a million years when we are long gone, maybe. So there is this crazy thing I was uh, recently looking up, actually. So like DNA, digital data storage. So in June 2019, scientists um, had um, encoded 16 gigabyte of text from the English Wikipedia Actually, all of the 16 gigabytes from text of English Wikipedia to a, syn a synthetic DNA. I was just wondering that maybe, <laughs> maybe we have already a lot of data from past civilizations encoded into DNA or encoded into um, nature. And uh, maybe, I mean, if you think about nanotechnology and if you think about these kind of things to encode um, information into, into nature, um, Maybe this could be like a way to pre preserve um, information or, or data. So you use, you were just saying right, right now, Donny, that basically there are mediums uh, which could be serving a better tool to, to, to storage. Like it's in nature, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, this was just my point. I wanted to make that um, this could be something interesting in the future, maybe in the next 10 to 15 years, if you think about biotechnology um, and preserving data in, in, in nature. You know, based on what you just said, um, I've always th thought since I've been in this space that we're not catching up to blockchain, that it's catching up to us because of how our genetics work and, and, and that, that whole thing. And, um, so I, I think it's an inverse effect that, you know, the application of us on the chain and, uh, is, 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 the, is the only friction point, right? And, uh, and it also brings up to mind um, that Mayan city that was just discovered that has no, as of up, up till now, still has no other than it's ha happened in Mexico and some Mayan city that was uncovered on a mountain that was hidden by shrubs and growth and, 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 you know, um, foliage and, and all that stuff that there is no historic, it's so old and it's so beautiful. If you haven't seen it yet, I would recommend looking it up online. It's unbelievably constructed. I mean, it's fortified and just very, defined and intense looking and um but there is no historical records of it anywhere to be found yet and so no one knows the history so to speak right and uh you know with things like or or.io that they just dropped that chatting you know thing on uh, you know every inscription you know that that's like a good start to you know uh, you know, you know, storing data and, and conversation and, and reflections and stuff like that. So I covered like three different things there. But uh, yeah, the first one is about just like blockchain, we're catching, you know, blockchains catching up to how we operate. We just don't know it yet. You know, I don't know. That's just my thought on it. Somebody had asked, you know, is it like a Bitcoin thing where you think that something on Bitcoin's blockchain will be more immutable or um, some people do believe that, and it's not just because of the popularity of Bitcoin or the fact that there's 50,000 Bitcoin nodes around the globe. Uh, some people believe it's because they're small. 
um, it's the smuggling aspect uh, that can propel it forward into history. You take very small images and you co-mingle that with financial data. Imagine if every dollar was required to have 1% or one megabyte of storage space for the people. And I think that that smuggling into finance, finance is going forward into the future no matter what. And even if it's not on Bitcoin, if we can smuggle our history, smuggle our voice into the money, that will be carried forward. So I just wanted to clarify there, I'm a Bitcoin maxi in this regard. I'm an on-chain maxi, not for video. We're going to use side chains and other things for actually hosting the videos. But that's why I believe that Bitcoin and ordinals have maybe the best shot to smuggle forward into deep time. Fun. I just gave a follow to BitLife for for this comment for for like the future of Bitcoin because I really believe that like for art we need a better storage system and we if it would be possible with a Bitcoin you know putting the data on chain but at the same time have really good quality then like it would. It would be revolutionary for artists, you know, it would be revolutionary for everyone who is doing content. And instead of doing it on YouTube or any other centralized social media, people would move to decentralized spaces and would explore crypto. That would be amazing, you know, guys, if it solves the problem of dependency, you know, for me, like I'm dependent on the platform uh, that I'm using. So if it's really solving this problem, then the creator economy would be so much better. And that's what makes me, you know, believe in it. Really the promise of building a better world for creators. And like when it's a better world for creators, then everyone would become a creator, right? Like we are we are really creative people and we want to create in a different aspect. Someone is better in tech, someone is in like uh, digital art, someone in AI. And if we would combine those like talents, um, that would be an amazing system to to live in. So <laughs> I really enjoying the conversation here. Like what I'm seeing is missing is really connection to physical. Like I really see a lot of developing in the digital world, but how can we really build a bridge, you know? Because right now not so many people are ready to move to like what we're <laughs> building right now. And like for, for them, it's a spaceship. It's something beyond when they would jump in 100 years or so. So for me, like really give it some utilities, some like physical aspect of the digital worlds would be probably the, the way to move because more people would understand us. Like for now, they only see the image, right? Like the PFP image that is like the most, the most like, I don't know, uh, the most successful and the most well-known probably uh, NFT that like regular Web2 people see. But if they would see like the implementations on a higher, like different level, uh, I don't know, verifications of their education program, for example, then they would understand, okay, that makes sense. Like right now this recording is not on paper, but it's digital. And then like afterwards I can prove that's, I was like um, a part of this educational program and I graduated and then there is a proof on the blockchain and now it makes sense and gives me an entrance to some other world uh, that is built on the blockchain as well. 
So those types of scenarios probably would drive, you know, more people into our space and would create more utilities and would be, would be diverse, you know. I want to see really diversity in the Bitcoin ecosystem and in crypto and Web3 in general. So, yeah, uh, thank you, Donny, for opening the question. It's a really interesting one. Phones have absorbed all sorts of technology. Um, you know, like when, when I was walking around as a kid, I had like cash and cards and uh, there was a camera. You had to carry a digital camera with you everywhere you went and a wallet and like a telephone. Like they were all separate things. And now your phone is, I mean, it's a flashlight and it's your payment system and it takes pictures. It's also a computer on which you can navigate the internet and play games. Like it sort of has all sucked into this one platform that we walk around with. And from what I'm hearing, people are starting to think that Bitcoin can do the same thing. And this is a really refreshing narrative to hear because for so long I've been hearing that Bitcoin ought to be 80% of one's financial portfolio in the crypto space um, and really didn't understand why people kept saying that because it seemed like if crypto was just one big casino, you'd want to bet on some of the tokens that were super low or had small market caps rather um, so that they would have a greater chance for expansion. But I think a lot of the big brains that got in the space super early and kind of understood where this had the capability of going, they knew this already. Uh, it's kind of news to me in, in a way that Bitcoin be, can absorb as money, can absorb asset records and data storage, gaming, art, certificates, um, any sort of governmental proof of anything you'd ever need. And it can be the aggregate of the Swiss army knife of a society that we've become as a population. We can input all of our individual specialties into it and have Bitcoin output this robust uh, generation of information, I guess, and, and record of such, such that we never really lose anything. Are there any hands I'm not looking at? Bit live. I was just gonna pop in and agree with you. Um, they, they created a system for tracking who owns the money perfectly and it, it, it works in other situations where you want to know who created something or, you know, it's perfect for sending money to a creator because an ordinal is always at a Bitcoin address. It's like every, every piece of content has a bank account associated with it just by being, by, by being at a Bitcoin address. And then you can resell that asset and it's trackable perfectly. So I was just kind of, you know, uh, just thinking about that with what you were saying. I'd been hearing a lot in my the early part of this year as Ordinal started taking over and a lot of the really early Bitcoin people started popping into spaces. People who had just been doing this for like 10 or 15 years now, you know, since the dawn of Bitcoin have been interested in it. And some people were referring it to as the machine of time or the time chain, or I think there was a few references to this in early Ordinals. And I, again, didn't really understand what that meant at first. And I'm starting to realize, especially after the provenance episode that we hosted last week or the week, whenever that was, um, that this is, although it solves the double spend problem, it's not that it was made just to do that. And if it was made just to do that, blockchain that is, not just Bitcoin, um, it seems to have almost endless purpose because most of what we do involves records or keeping track of something in order to then reference it later. Um, this is so much bigger than I had imagined. And for anybody who doesn't know what it means to be on or off chain, it just means storing something where it's kept on a blockchain. Like the blockchain is the computer 
uh, on which it's stored. And the reason we keep coming back to Bitcoin on this for anybody who's not already a Bitcoin maxi um, is because Bitcoin probably has the lowest current probability of no longer existing amongst all of the other blockchains that are out there and the highest security as such. Um, so if Bitcoin is going to absorb everything we're doing and become this, this is, I guess this is the last question because I don't know if anyone's even going to want to talk about any of this stuff, but we're going to see what happens. Um, if Bitcoin is absorbing everything that we are bad at keeping track of and keeping track of it for us, is this the beginning of the actual <laughs> movement into singularity where we become one with data in real time and we become as efficient as robots because we kind of are commingling with them in real time? Anybody? Oh, that little scares me, Donnie. <laughs> you know, like... Exactly if, why I said it. Yeah, if we become so trackable, like the main thing would be to keep pretty focused on privacy, you know, like just to separate it from what you do want to share and what you want to share. I was looking into uh, phones, like crypto phones this weekend, and I found that Solana launched the phone earlier in April. And it was like hilarious, you know, based on uh, Android. And then there are like a couple crypto functions. But the point was that there is no, were no difference in privacy and security with the regular phones. And for me, this is strange because like, if I'm looking into the device, I want to store my keys. I want to use it as a crypto device. I want to like have several wallets there. I want to have not only like verification of my art, but also some important documents, right? Then I would definitely separate it from my regular phone. I would rather have like a hardware wallet with a like nice software as iOS, but like better, <laughs> different. Um, and then like these two lives would be separate, like the life where I'm sharing my location, I'm sharing my data and Google is using it and so on. But another life would be when I'm not sharing it, I'm only like verifying the things that I want to verify, you know? And like, I really see the separation of uh, like crypto and web to life. I don't know about other people, but for me, it feels important to really keep that Otherwise, I would be kind of feeling trapped. Like with the crypto, you know, the main point really coming here is to build something different, to build alternatives. Uh, but at the same time, if we build new uh, features on the old system, it would not work. So we need to upgrade everything <laughs> just from scratch, starting from hardware to software to really uh, different blockchains that we're using, right? Like it's it's a like wholeness approach and i like that people are coming to this idea together and maybe we can you know as a community really build something cool that excites me so i bought a saga the solana phone right when they came out when they were on pre-sale i think because i was curious how they were going to go about um dealing with security issues or what features would be offered that wouldn't be on a normal phone. And it turns out it's kind of just a normal phone, but it's a lot like Twitter blue where it's essentially what it feels like to me is an anti-Sybil system. And if anybody doesn't know what Sybil resistance or a Sybil attack is, um, if you look up 
Sybil attack on Wikipedia, you'll see that it's named after a person who was like, there was a case where a person was known or acknowledged to have multiple personalities and their last name was Sybil, I think. So like this, it's just a joke about how you don't want one person pretending to be many people in a digital interface because that can kind of muck up the system, right? So Twitter's response to that was, if everybody pays $11 a month who's a real person, bots will be less likely to be spun up and it'll be more likely that everybody you interact with will be a real person. Now, it doesn't breed equity economically, definitely not, but it does make sure that most of the people who you get DMs from are not bots, right? Like you don't get spammed as much because there's a financial barrier that those bots won't cross because it's a little bit too high. Quite the same with the Saga phone. It costs $1,000 to buy the phone. And by doing that, you get airdropped some um, non-transferable token. So it's not saleable. You can't even move it to a different wallet that's hooked directly into a wallet that is inborn into the phone with a specific seed phrase. Now we get into these weird on-ramp issues that everything has. There's insurance and on-ramping that are always a really big problem um, for crypto in general. Before we even get to the point where we become one with Bitcoin and Bitcoin becomes one with our civilization, people, like if it's mom-proof, right? Is, is crypto mom-proof? No, it is not. My mother does not want to know that a seed phrase exists. She doesn't want to write it down. She doesn't want to keep it buried in the backyard and on paper and somewhere digitally on a server that's not hot. Um, she doesn't want to have to engage all in all that stuff. And if she did take that risk, she would want to know that it was insured somehow. So I think that the problems are duplicate here. Um, one of them is that getting people in the door is difficult. And two is that keeping them in the door is even more difficult. So I don't think that we're ready yet to, to really think about how we're one with technology and digital identity and all of the solutions that are going to come along with that. Also, really, those problems can't be solved until we get the on-ramping and status of users stable by providing all of the things we lose when we take our items out of third-party custody. Meaning that when you have your funds stored at Bank of America, yeah, they can go bankrupt and be like, well, I guess you don't have your money now. We'll try to pay you back later. And that's a bummer because you didn't get your money. But the odds are way better than if you download a crypto wallet, put all of your life savings into it um, and try to live your life like that, you're probably going to screw it up somewhere along the way. And that's the end of it. So getting people to be able to store their stuff safely and feel comfortable that they're not going to lose it permanently is a very big deal. And finding ways to do that that's not just seed phrases is uh, actually a lot harder than we might think. And biometrics, I mean, everybody has either thumbs or iris or corneas or faces or something like that. But all of these biometric data scans that happen, nothing stores your actual information. It creates, well, nothing that I know of anyway. I'm sure there's something out there that does that. Most things that store biometric data, take a snapshot of that item and then create a hash of it. So like there are specific data points that line up with the original image, but the original image of your eyeball or finger or face or whatever is not stored anywhere. So you couldn't reverse engineer it. You are safe from that as in no one can find out who you are based on that hash. But what can happen is you can get in a car accident or lose your eye or get old and someone else can age into looking like you. So like there's crossover there that we haven't experienced on this level yet because I don't think we've ever had a biometric data set larger than like nine or 10 million users. And there are 8 billion people on the planet. So how do we store everyone's stuff and develop individual, unique 
decentralized IDs for people such that they don't lose their stuff and they're not copied by another person? Who knows? I think this is something we're not going to see the answer to for a minimum of 10 years because it's going to require, a huge, an, I think, an aggregate of many systems all coming together at the same time to be able to let people in the door reliably, knowing full well that it's not one person pretending to be two or someone accidentally logging in using your face hash because their face now looks more like yours did when you got the hash taken. You know what I'm saying? That was kind of a long separate rant, but did that make any sense? Did that spark anything for anybody? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, first, I will pin to the top the Solana overview I did. That's so cool. You tried it. Uh, just check it out, guys. Like just the parameters and what they have there. Like couple things um, that I want to mention. Like Solana mobile stack. That's just like for apps to connect to Solana blockchain. <laughs> the guy was saying like, why only Solana? Why did they build ex exclusively? But for me, it's just showing centralization of the Solana blockchain 100%. Like if you want to build a crypto phone, please do it for several blockchains. Like why would you choose just one? And then this, um, the hilarious part is Seed Vault that they stored the 24 seed phrase um, safely from android <laughs> so like the android system cannot reach it and for me it's it's also like really funny because android like system itself is not secured is not like privacy focused and i understand why do they want to do that they want to like you know um show that it's only yours uh and another cool store, like a uh, thing like the app store that's probably like the nicest when we have like only crypto apps that makes me inspired, you know, I want to have even App Store right now when I only see crypto and those would be trusted. Like if the uh, phone system like chooses uh, the partners to work with and then I'm kind of like can trust the applications that they put inside. So for me, just like this launch just shows first, uh, like Web2 people are not ready for that kind of devices. And the second, like the question is why? Like when you Donnie was speaking about, you know, different solutions, how to onboard people, like the main question to explain them, why do they need to choose uh, crypto? Why do they need to store information on the blockchain? And uh, like, and I hope many people are coming to the point that they wanna, they wanna like be decentralized because when we would explain people, hey, look, like you had those problems with the Bank of America, with any other bank, and now you uh, don't have to talk to anyone. You don't have to ask permission to transfer your funds. So maybe that people would click into, okay, now I can be free. You know, the point of freedom is not really directed to people right now so that they would choose uh, something different from fiat. And also like I see so many creators that are coming from, uh, using YouTube, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and then they were they, their account or their posts were shutting down, and that frustrates a m like massive amount of people right now. So that those problems are already existing, and people realizing them is just there is no solution for them to transfer. There is no solution for them to see the exit, you know, but when like the infrastructure of the crypto itself would be built better, then people would would be like, would probably like come 
to the space. It would be natural, you know, it would won't be forced because it would be a better solution. Everyone would realize, hey, okay, now I have a choice to move to a different platform. And the the goal is really to explain what is the self-custody, the self-responsibility, you know, just responsible for everything that you do and be more attentive, be more focused. I feel like we are growing the population that uh, like would be better educated, you know, and things and would be more focused and slow down and just like uh, looking into things with details. And then we would not have those problems of like losing the seed phrase or something else. Like for me, seed phrase is not a big deal. I even think about like what would be the best, maybe start from six words and then give an option of 12 and 24 but at the same time maybe give a person opportunity to create those words like i would rather create my six words i would remember i don't have to write it anywhere maybe i would like for <laughs> for my bad <laughs> memory day but otherwise like i don't have to write when i when i remember it and then i don't want to use any fingerprints my eyes or my my body for verifying that um, I would rather remember the seed phrase that I'm entering and then inside the wall, in, inside the device, the phone, the wallet, then maybe I can have uh, also another steps of verification, not, not connected to biometrical, but maybe like as questions as we have in the bank system or maybe another seed phrase, or maybe I have like three, four wallets that are diverse, you know, I don't have to put everything in one. So just like basic principles, you know, that we need to teach to people. Um, we need to define them right now and maybe like choose the solutions for ourselves. Like what's better for myself? What's better for you, Donnie? What's better for you, for everyone else, like here in the space? And then maybe like share those uh, values to others and share like, how do you want to uh, connect with the crypto world? And then maybe like we would find the solution and propose it to others and um, the ecosystem would be built enough so that's like we can onboard more people. Yeah, so those are just my thoughts. I guess when we talk about onboarding people, we're this is such a niche market at the moment where we're it's mostly collectibles based, like a lot of the volume that has occurred on any chain is collectibles based because art is forging the way for governmental process to exist eventually. And I don't mean like the government of the United States. I mean like governance process, you know, the, the way that things are managed when there are more than seven people in a room, you know, those things have to be um, mitigated somehow. And if we can mi mitigate them using algorithms, I think we're all in a better space or at least a space that's less able to be swayed by one party or another, which brings me to what decentralization means at its core or distribution, I guess. Um, voting can be the distribution or decentralization of choice, and Bitcoin storage can be the decentralization of storage points. And in each of these situations, it just means that there's not one single point of failure, uh, that everything is sort of coherently related to and reliant on everything else. Everything is supporting everything. Um, so I think that the Solana phone being Solana native is just Solana being a tech company which I would say most blockchains are. Most blockchains are tech companies that are operating using a blockchain. There are very few of these that aren't that at the moment. And I think Bitcoin is one or the only one of them that's just kind of this like amorphous, as Michael Saylor would say, a virus, a cybernetic hornet's nest, fire, a fire in cyberspace or whatever it is. And I think he's dead on with that. I know his language is a little bit weird, 
when he says that, but I don't think he's wrong, especially if you've ever heard, if you've ever heard mining equipment, it does sound like a bee's nest a bit. Um, the question I would glean from all of this is that if everything can do what we want this to do, um, what is Bitcoin adding? And if Bitcoin is constricting us, do block sizes inherently need to get bigger? And I guess there's a larger question I have after this, but I'd like to hear um, anybody's point of view on this. Is the four megabyte block big enough or do we need more to be a human race that relies on Bitcoin? I wish it were bigger. I mean, a lot of us do um, because we're so we're so sold on the experience or the possible experience that we're feeling connected to the space and also the energy. And I think while things are technical, people that, you know, outside, let's say the masses, while things are, are technical and we, we need those things, people get bored by that stuff. They want to be sold on the experience and the energy that we, wh why we keep returning to the space and why we continue to talk to each other. You know, like my IRL events in Venice every week, you know, twice a week, AI hackathon, and we have our regular, uh, you know, meetup. And there's a hundred, there's a hundred of us every week. And, it, and if you can slice any moment during our, our, our live Twitch debate and just extract 10 seconds or 30 seconds of why people are poised and listening and debating that energy and that experience, if that could be, you know, sort of, you know, put into a capsule and sold to the, uh, to, to the, to, to the masses, the, the technical part they'll understand later because there's people right now that are trading and they don't even know what they're buying, but they're here because of the general experience that they're getting, even though a lot of it has been rugs and stuff like that, which has well, what the media is, is outpouring being, you know, and, 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 and sort of creating a bad, helping create the bad entry for others and stuff like that. So I think it's sell me the, what's the experience I'm getting and what is the energy and why am I returning to the space kind of thing? Um, so that, that's my answer to that in a nutshell. I like the low barrier of entry, despite the fact that it turns out rugs because it allows for more people to enter. And I know it's a double-edged sword. I think everything is, there's no such thing as something that's all good and no bad because you know, they, they both have to exist in tandem in a way. Like at any time that they're like the jet engine, um, it makes you go faster, but you use more resources, right? Or if if one country gets a jet engine on a fighter, the next one has to get that too. So like the the balance is always there. There's always like the seesaw um, occurring. And I, I guess the the question I'm asking here that we can close after, or if anybody doesn't have anything to say about it, we can just play a song and move on with our lives. Are we measuring the future possible capabilities and demands based on current limitations? Or are we getting greedy and just trying to say we want to put bigger pictures on Bitcoin? So like my, the, the question, if I have to roll that back into something a little bit less of a compound sentence, are we worried that our current technological limitations are going to stifle our future demands? And why would we worry about that? Because technology always keeps up with demands. In fact, it usually outpaces it. Is there anyone in this room who is worried that the four megabyte block size is not going to be sufficient in reality for Bitcoin in its future? I feel like with all the solutions that are built already, 
like I see so many development is happening around Bitcoin and I just started learning. Like, so you guys understand, like I'm in Bitcoin since Ordinal started. Bitcoin was not interesting to me before art. Like I saw the early beginning of the Bitcoin. That was cool. But for me, like what sparked my interest, NFTs. And then when I came to the Bitcoin, I realized how big is like the development side. And I see so many layer two solutions. I see a lot of, you know, new contracts, even like in ordinal space, it's like for the past seven months, we built so much, we built so many new protocols and some would sustain, some would not, but I'm not worrying about like the development of the Bitcoin so that it would not sustain. Like even with implementations of the drive chains that like uh, Paul, I think his name is Paul, launched not so long ago, like that basically shows that it's possible. It's possible to keep Bitcoin as a main currency, not introducing any new tokens, but at the same time, make it uh, faster with transactions and make it like with a, a larger files to put on top. And then at the same time, like having merge mining when there is like a double profit for miners, that's amazing. Like already seeing those developments, it's already, you know, giving me a spark uh, that uh, the future is bright, the future is cool. And if there would be any problems, I feel like uh, we have uh, such a like big group of developers, uh, 100% they would solve it. And I want to be like, you know, trying new things. Like for me, probably because I'm a newbie, like for me, it's not scary to try things. And if they work, it's amazing. If they don't, moving to another solution, but like, proving the concept, you know, that's like proof of concept is really cool thing to, to build. And then like the technologies is there. So like, I would not worry about it. I'm not sure about others. What do you guys think? I think the systems will adapt to provide whatever we need. And whenever I'm actually getting text messages about this topic from friends of mine, who are listening but aren't on stage, and their consensus is just about what mine is, that the technology will adapt because we'll make it adapt to fit whatever we need to. But I still maintain that I think these restrictions and limitations are forcing us to be creative in a way that's really healthy for us to be right now and is inspiring growth and progress in this industry. And that's all we can ask for. And until then, I think people are going to can continue to store things off-chain that want to be off-chain and some things on-chain that want to be on-chain. And there's nothing wrong with that because some are heavy, some are light. Everybody's abilities and demands are different. And the technology is vast, and I guess, distributed throughout every single thing that could need to exist. Um, so we have everything we would need for any specific purpose we'd need to fulfill at the moment. And all we have to do is sit back and wait for this to play out and continue to contribute in the ways that we know how best, which in some cases is trading at a rapid pace, digital items, assets of some sort. And in other cases is creating art and seeing how much of a file size we can fit, how much compression can we apply to something, how light can we make it, how efficient or how not. And then how does the system adapt when that's the case? I think if that's all we've got for the day, and I'm seeing that it is, unless I'm not seeing hands that are raised. Twitter's been being a weirdo to me today. Um, we can call it and we can jump on spaces later on and continue this discussion. I think we are about two episodes away from the end. I might skip the anthropological episode, the, the last one before the one with my wife and mother, 
because I think we covered everything that we could need to cover. And I, I don't think there's anything left to talk about at this point. And I've noticed that over the course of the last few like really high level conversations we've had, there's not enough reality in them for them to be a debatable topic. And they could just be articles because like they don't need to be debated at the moment. And I think this is actually one of them. I think we just talked about something that has seen so little of itself play out that there's really not enough to say about it yet. So we've done, I think the aggregate of this entire series is that anthropological zoom out, which leaves us with one episode left before mom and wife come on and tell us all the things that we're doing that they think are silly or they don't understand at all. Uh, because again, we're kind of in an echo chamber. And the last episode that's occurring, the next one on Thursday, uh, is on art. And it's not about whether or not art should be on or off chain. This is going to be a really exciting debate that I don't really hear enough talk about. Again, probably because we're sort of like, I don't know. I think that we're a bit limited in our perspectives because the people who don't care about blockchain art um, don't speak up about this kind of thing because we they don't come hang out with us to talk about it. And we when we go to IRL art events and start talking about blockchain art, we just find one other person who knows what we're talking about and that's who we end up talking to about it. And it's not because we don't want to talk to everybody else about it, but I think to some degree they don't want to talk to us about it. So I'm here to facilitate a discussion amongst a bunch of artists, one of whom is going to be my brother. It's going to be his debut back on Twitter after leaving it when the market turned south and his project went down. He's been an actual photographer for many years and uh, has a lot to say on the topic and released a whole bunch. In fact, a new technology or a new kind of ERC token or reader or something like that was released about a year and a half ago under his wing. And he has a lot to say about digital display, um, permanence, the toxicity of materials used to print and transport art. Um, there's a lot of things kind of like how we drive cash around and it's really heavy and we move gold and that sucks and it's barely fungible and it requires like a huge amount of resources to form and reform. Um, digital art doesn't really have the same expenditure and actually has a lot of, I don't know, benefits that you could see such as being able to be displayed in any lighting conditions and suffering from zero degradation. Right? These are things that are that no one really talks about or that, that I don't hear people talking about. And it's removed a lot of limitations from the way that we view and um, engage in art. Uh, BitLive, did, you just came back up. Did you have anything to add before we buzz off? Uh, no, I just wanted to say great space. And uh, yeah, thanks for like breaking the frame on the whole, you know, do you store it on Bitcoin? Do you store it elsewhere? There, there's a lot to it. Thanks, man. I can't help but overthink um, everything. It's my it's my default setting. Nomi, what's happening? I'm wondering what's the big picture of uh, your episodes. How do you see that? Would you like put together, cut the pieces? Uh, let me know. I would love to hear. The goal. Oh, wait, you want me to say that now or later? Because I think I sort of already know it, and I think I knew it from the beginning. Do you, you want to hear that right of, this moment? Of course. Yeah. Cool. So the. We, we all spend a lot of time in the individual pieces of this that we like. And I, I mean that each of us individually dives into different pieces, whether it's DeFi or art or, uh, you know, financial transaction facilitation. Everybody's drawn to block. Everybody who's drawn to blockchain is drawn to it for a different reason or maybe a different set of reasons. 
And over the course of being the only person in upstate New York at all who is interested in this stuff to the degree that I am, um, I've had to talk to normal people about it a lot. And when I say normal people, I just mean people who aren't obsessed with blockchain technology. And I don't mean that in any sort of like derogatory sense because maybe I'm normal and they're not or something. You know, I, I don't mean it in that way. So I've had to talk to a lot of people about the things that I'm passionate about if I want to say anything, because I don't care about like the weather. I'm not, I'm not here to talk about whether it's gloomy or sunny today. That's not important to me because it just is, it's not anything that we can determine or, or like try to affect in any meaningful way. And maybe we shouldn't. So like the point here was to dial it back to why do we do what we do and what is all of this aiming at so that we can frame it in a holistic paragraph like basically how to summarize a mission statement for what blockchain technology overall has to say. So in, in USBG, the US Bartenders Guild board facilitation work that I've had to go through in the last like five years or whatever of sitting on the national board, I realized that coming up with a mission statement is not a one hour process for anything. Um, trying to make something that's concise and explanatory fully without leaving things out or over explaining things um, is super difficult. So saying like um, uniting bartenders and furthering the craft is cool, but it's like, is it just bartenders? Is it barbacks too? Um, is it also servers? Where do we draw that line? How do we be inclusive, but exclusive, <laughs> exclusive of only those who we actually don't represent and inclusive of all of those who we do represent? And how do we do that in a sentence and a half? I don't think blockchain technology has figured that out yet, but if we go from the bottom, Oh, sorry, Turk. Yeah, no, uh, because we both have a restaurant background, like very in depth. Um, one of the the last places that I worked, um, that I opened up, um, uh, was a huge brewery, and it was the um, it, it's still there, and they have three of them in L.A., and they're they're the only breweries that have a full bar. <clears throat> but the the point is, is that everybody, even if you were a bartender, GM, um, a bar back, whatever. Everybody was considered in the spirit of it. Everybody's a barback. So like if you're, if you see trash on the floor or you're going to the bathroom of the facility and you work there and you're saying, that's not my job. Well, you should leave. You, you should redirect and pivot that it's like all hands on deck, you know? So if you're a developer and you're not do creating art, it's not like say I'm an artist, but in some way you're creating something of movement. And so the, 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 you know, like everything to me is a collaboration. I don't care where you, where you think your original thoughts have come from. They are borrowed ideas in some respect, in some respect. And, 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 and whether they're original or not, it's not the point is the fact that you're proliferating them and that people are affected by them. So I think the more unification of that, that all hands on deck, we're all barbacks. It is is the thing. If you see the GM sweeping, fucking good, good. He's not better or less than anybody that's working there, you know, kind of thing. So that, that that's my uh, two two sats on that. So to put that together, um, the mission statement of that restaurant that you work for that I also want to work for because that sounds like the kind of restaurant that has oh, oh, the right oh, ideals. Yeah. Oh, Donnie, sorry, passionate interruption. Uh, yeah. These are my these are my PIs. I call them. Um, because we're closely related and we found that out a month or so ago when, when I, when I 
bought your uh, OMB, and then we, you know, by the way, the only one he's listed, he's not a, he's not, he ain't no punk bitch. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. There's um, no shame. There's no shame. No, I just wanted to throw. It. So there was a beautiful story that happened between Donnie and I, where um, somehow I found out he was from Rochester right away. And I helped fund his trip to Amsterdam. And now I'm going and I can't wait to meet him in person. But we have a mutual friend in Rochester. And that was the only job outside of acting and working in, in television that I got when I came to L.A. 10 years ago. And I was sold on Ralph because Ralph was the director of operations for that bar, that brewery. And I, that's why I, I didn't really want to work at a brewery because I worked at like the Dead Rabbit, dude. I worked at like the number one bars in the world rated in the world at the world of bars and stuff like that and, and michelin star restaurants but for some reason i was sold on the relaxing nature of breweries and learning a new craft and learning about beer and uh in its truest sense and he was the one who sold me on it he didn't beg me he just i just liked his style and it was his his the way he operates and you know him intimately it is why I was sold on that. So the fact that you'd want to work there, uh, you you can you can pat your your friend Ralph on the back when you see him for coffee next. So yes, uh, I just wanted to passionately interrupt what you were about to say, but please go back and say what you were going to say. Dude, Ralph has exactly the um, same series of thoughts that I do about this, and it's that the mission statement of the restaurant that you're describing is that it's fostering a workplace of cooperation, and it promoting the highest guest experience possible. It's those two things specifically. So it's not excluding the needs of the workers, but it's focusing on the demands of the guest. That's that's a mission statement that we can come up with. And it's not a good one for that restaurant, but it does work. So what's ours for crypto? What is the mission statement for blockchain? Is it efficiently and reliably storing the aggregate of human information over relevant periods of time using the greatest technology possible? I don't know. That's I just came up with that right now, and it doesn't really make sense, and I don't think I would publish that anywhere. But the only way that I could think of to come up with this was by going through the topics in the order that we went through them, which is, you know, blockchain. Blockchain was the first one. What is this fundamentally built on, right? Uh, moving on to ownership. How do you own something and how does blockchain facilitate that? Moving on to identity. How does ownership facilitated by blockchain allow us to have an identity? How does that fit into reputation? How do we build reputation into a community? How do we build community into blah, 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 whatever the five episodes after that were? How do all these things compound upon the last? And what information do we have at the end of these long conversations about what the point of all of this is it's easy for us to get caught up in the trees and forget about the forest. And I wanted to be able to analyze every tree in the forest to zoom out and see what the forest is about. And I don't yeah. think that's something we've done. Yeah, definitely. And this is not to, 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 to fight like to purport that I have the final answer or anything like that. But I, I like to take what, you know, look at it, not in technical terms, but at the very root of what the emotional experience is, because you are selling and talking to human beings, right? And it is the fact that no matter what job you apply for, outside of rugs and scamming people and hurting people, like just put that aside for a second, because, you know, that, that happens in the world. The world can be a shitty place. But when you work for a place and you apply for a job out of the needs that you need and the money that you want to make to survive and make your nut every month or whatever you got to do, the relationships that you get in 
the, 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 the friendships that you have, your literal job to me and, and also serving guests and hospitality is not to make it about you. It's to give a good experience. You have to treat every moment. It's very difficult. Relationships, you know, you know, they flounder and it's hard to be a human being sometimes. But if you can stick it out, the idea of partnership between one or two people or a mass of people, if you can give them the uh, the the experience, a good experience, because, you know, and that's outside of things getting, you know, you, you might have a project you built for a year or two. And all of a sudden on day on the day that you drop, you're getting flooded. I get it because some of the techniques and the the background mechanisms don't work and the and the mint didn't work. And, and outside of that, your job is not to give a bad experience, not to have an, a bad attitude. The, the guest does not deserve that. You don't own anybody in a relationship either. Where were you before they were born and before you were in that relationship with them? And now you are, you know, abusing them or subjugating them or, you know, being vindictive towards them. That isn't fair. Like, again, it's very hard when you're doing it in practice, but the theory is very simple. So if you can extract that and give good experiences, again, selling the experience, selling the problem to the solution. I think we're better off. I don't know if that's the answer, but I, I'm, I'm, as a story writer, it's about defining what the root cause of everything is and what actions that are people taking based on the wants and desires that they go chase those desires for, you know? So anyway, long, long monologue, but uh, I, I know what I'm talking about. Dude, it's selling so the problem to the solution. That's a, put that on a bumper sticker. Sorry, no, me, go ahead. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, it's really in line with, what my message is, my message is, it is not about me. I, even if you go to my profile and see the banner, it says it is not about me. So you're right, Troy. And like emphasizing that is all about building experiences and positivity. That's, that's the whole thing. Like collaboration. I really see the web three, what it, like people are good at is collaborating with each other, like connecting, right? Like we have different talents and then like, it's a new level of, Mm, building a business it's it's not about like hiring positions anymore it's more about what can you bring to the table let's build together and then we would share the profit like that's how i see things are built in the in the our system and i want to like see more um good examples of that right like not failing examples and also like examples of when people can be humans they can have mistakes but at the same time they can put their you know, mm, confidence in front and just be responsible for that. Be still uh, like kind, be still uh, like taking care of the people of the project. So yeah, really, really cool episode. Dodi, my question would be uh, like conceptually, I really understand where you're coming from, uh, but technically do you want to like cut the pieces from the Twitter spaces and put it into Mm, podcast uh, platforms are you going to use youtube and uh, what are the future plans of those to spread it more to the people i think that i have a preliminary mission statement for like you know amorphous blockchain just blockchain um that i could read to you right now that i just wrote and i think i could back it up and it's not final but i think it's the closest i'll get at the moment without really sitting down to think about it you ready here it is. Tell me I'm wrong, because I probably am. 
The mission statement of blockchain technology is to accurately represent and facilitate the aggregate of human experience. And I would back this up by saying almost everything we do is an attempt to do that, to further ourselves. We have babies and make music. Uh, like we make music. Music's a mating call, right? We dance to music as a mating ritual. We record this music so that other people can use our mating call to make more people. And when we make more people, those people's new experiences can add to the recorded aggregate and future productivity of our species and allow us to, for better or worse, um, populate more <laughs> and become greater and learn new things and utilize those things. We've gotten to the point, and I don't know if this is the first time in human civilization that we've been there, but very few people could recreate any of the objects they use in daily life, but people are all necessary to make those things. So like no one person can make a car right now without the assistance of manufacturing facilities and oil refineries and like all these uh, structural, uh, structural is maybe not the word, you know what I'm saying? Infrastructural items that we've built up over time using the aggregate of human knowledge to do so. This is just allowing us a better, more accurate, more longstanding way of not only storing it and referencing it, but creating it in the future. So I would say that I think that's blockchain's mission statement. Even though that's not the question you're asking, I'm now answering that question. Um, and to answer the real question, yeah, it's going to be a podcast and it won't be listed in conventional means because it costs an extra $50 a month on Podbean to have a separate podcast channel. And I'm not sure that this first run at my media presence is really worth $50 a month ad infinitum, you know? And I'm not trying to downplay myself. It just, this is an explorative endeavor that, People can find and listen to if they want, but it was really for the point of coming to a greater conclusion um, that I think we may be nearing. So after we go through this one more talk about art and then one more talk about what normal people think about this, being the two people closest to me, my mother and wife, we may have a better look at that. Turk, yo. Uh, yeah, wonderful, Donnie. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, two things, because I, I always ideate. Um, I'm always thinking, uh, and I, I love irony. <clears throat> so those extractions of the ums and ahs and can you hear me now and whatever, if you can extract those into a into a separate um, uh, audio and put a beat to it, because I know you love music, and make that the sound bites to your podcast, that would be very ironic and, and wonderful and people wouldn't even realize how good it is and why it works. That's just my idea. It, it, it doesn't mean that it will work, but I'm, I'm saying, why not vomit That's it out? That's a great idea. That's a really great idea. <laughs> yeah, I make beats too. Yeah, I make music. So, but I'm just, I don't care. It doesn't have to be me. I, I'm just saying, go, just think of it and whatever. The other thing I wanted to go back to before, before we close out, or you can shut me out, is that the whole idea of us, of blockchain catching up to us and how we operate, that whole idea back when Burst, uh, Burst was talking, um, is that if your, our parents did not copulate and make us, which we have genetic codes, unique not in that unique way where like everybody gets an A in class because you're special. I mean, like literally a digital like asset, like an NFT, like we're the original non-fungible tokens here, let, let's say. Like that is what I'm talking about. Like it's literally in the code of our DNA. So like I leave you with that. So make a song if you can with the ums and ahs. And I leave you with that, with that, uh, with that provenance of, of our thanking our parents and call them today. If they're around, you know what I mean? Say, thanks for not using a, a condom, dad, mom. Thanks for letting my dad, you know, do the thing, you know, anyway, I, I, I digress. 
<laughs> I think the scarier thought that you may have just put into motion is not about your dad using a condom, although that's pretty scary too. Nobody wants to think about that. Um, the scarier thought is that blockchain may just then be emulating us and creating that uh, dystopian, like, well, some people would find it's a dystopian, that, um, what the hell is it called? Singularity that we've been talking about all along where man meets machine. If, if, if your analogy is to put us at the point where we are, make, we are behaving like a blockchain and then blockchain is created to behave like us, uh, I think that furthers the point that I'm trying to make that I don't think is scary. And I think the reason we think it's scary is because we want to be important. But we are much more important if we last a lot longer than we do, um, which I think blockchain is helping us do. It's helping the information make more sense over more time. And what else could we ask for? Even if it takes away our individual importance, like you said, Turk, everybody's a barback. Nobody's above it. And that's okay. With that, it's been a pleasure today. I'm sorry I rugged out. Uh, Twitter was twitching on me a little bit and Spectrum as a as a, an internet provider is not worth the relatively small fees that they charge. And I wish that I could get anything better than that where I am, but I can't, so I'm stuck with it. I'm going to get a new router for next week and see if that works better. I hope you all have the best day of your life. This has been Don't Say NFT. My name is Donnie Clutterbuck. I've been the host. Uh, this is episode 10. It's a debate about on versus off chain. We have one more after this about art and then a final episode zero with my mother and wife telling me all the things they don't get about this and why they don't care, or maybe why they do care now after they've listened to it. I don't know. I haven't consulted them yet, but they're listening to every episode and developing a list of questions, and I honestly can't wait for that episode. This has been another episode of Don't Say NFT, the show where we usually don't say NFT. Thanks again to Crypto Sapiens, Bankless Dow. Have a great day, everybody.